0: I, I, yeah. Art root, blue. I, I, yeah. Welcome to Art Root Radio, and I'm your host, artist Michelle Lockery. This is a very important podcast for me, as I'm about to embark on um, this project that I'm calling The Women of Michelle. Now, before we can talk about all of the different things that The Women of Michelle are going to be about... I would like to tell you a story, and I would like you to hear the why, the who, and why is it so important to sometimes to go back to your roots. To go home to the return is always, well, I always think important. All of the youth that worked on my walls would say to me it was always nice that they could go back to the wall and to touch the wall that um, they helped create the place that we returned to for months, you know, every day you'd go back and you'd pick up your paintbrush and, you know, the act of creation. It didn't really matter what you created as long as we all created together. And everybody could pick up their color, their crayon, their paintbrush, and you just felt like you were part of something bigger than you. I don't know why I was chosen to do and paint and be this, I guess, story collector through all of the cities and communities and along the highways, and all the people that touched my walls, I can't even, you know, start to begin to see how I could tell all their stories. All I know this is every person who touched the walls touched my heart. And my roots are so deep in a little town called Michelle BC. The Women of Michelle was named after that town. I was born in 1961 in that little coal mining town. My very beautiful mother gave birth to this baby girl at a midwife's house right next to the creek, right next to this little community that was, if you can imagine, what I see when I remember was these barn red houses that went down this two streets. And in the middle, the outhouses were down the middle of the street. No, nope, we didn't have any power in those outhouses. They were dark. And no, we did not have running water until I left that house when I was in grade three. But I don't remember feeling that was less than you. You know, my mother would bathe us in the square tubs and she would put on her finest red lipstick. It was an orangey red and she would put her hair in a French roll and She'd chop wood on the way out and hang the clothes on the frozen line and then become this professional woman to me, although at that time she would have been called a secretary. She was an administrator. I just recently found out she went to business college. So I got to see this kind of a past and future and all this mixed up because my mom was all of these, I guess, this kaleidoscope of all of these different generational things that she was going through in the 60s. My dad, like, I mean, I really did think he was Elvis Presley. He had dreams and desires, he was an inventor, he was handsome, and he wore the clothes that I would see in the Elvis Presley movie. He had a red velour shirt and a pair of zoot suit pants. Wool, perfectly tailored, and the shirt so soft. I kept it for years recently passed them on to my nephew and um you the craftsmanship in the clothing and the fact that my mom bought my dad a guitar shows me that my parents they were very creative and they wanted a creative life and they lived a creative life in a town that had cultures from around the world everybody just showed up in that little coal mining town is because where the money was being made you know it had fed this province it had fed these people you know, and the people that came from all around the world and landed there were very brave. You know, on our kitchen table, there was a person from every nationality. I don't remember, like, you know, thinking that that person wasn't welcome at our table. And so you learned those cultures through the hands of finding out my uncle came from a family of Italian stone masters or um, the doctor from the Philippines who shared how to make his type of food that he loved. And my mother would be cooking with the doctor and the doctor was here to heal and be a doctor, but he was at your table. And there was just all of these different stories. And so I think the biggest gift that living in a town that was a coal mining town that had been there since the early 1900s or even earlier was a beautiful thing. Now, it wasn't looked at as a beautiful thing to many. I mean, I was just doing an art show about the dresses that um, will be in the next series, and each dress will have a story, and you'll get to hear the dresses' the dresses story and what each dress and each woman that those dresses represent. But right now, on this podcast, I want to talk about the town. The town was Michelle Natal Middletown, and it was a coal mining town. And yes, the mine went right through the center of town and used to drive. And people would say, oh, I can remember driving by and it's right at the BC Alberta border. And it was so dirty and you wouldn't see anything for dust. Well, that only happened once they were trying to push that that town needed to be relocated. But if you drive around any coal mining town anywhere in the world, they all were the same. So I don't think that this town was any dirtier or cleaner than any other coal mine. It just was what we lived. My grandmother's house was spotless. My aunt's house was spotless. Fine linens. My grandmother was from Scotland and you had high tea and a perfectly clean cup. And our shoes were, you know, polished to a a T. Sure, when we went and played in the cold in the back, you know, or on a windy day, it would get dusty. But you didn't hang the clothes on those days. And, and honestly, it was much more to where the mine was. It is the most beautiful thing to have discovered that my mother in her possession and my mother is the narrator of this whole series as my mom was the observer from that time the rose in the coal I like to call her has uncovered that she has a series of Kodachrome slides now I'm talking these Kodachrome slides are pristine and I was just there and she brought them out I have no idea why my dad never showed them to us I mean, I would see a lot of his snowmobiling pictures and his hunting pictures, and I would wait for a slide of maybe, you know, something we did as kids going by. That never happened, but that's okay. Because when my mom opened up those slides and we put them in the slide projector, it was the most, I can't even explain, experience. Because we had just left an art talk where people were saying, What was it like? Was it dark? Did it look like this? People can't imagine. And in Kodachrome color, did I see our perfectly white shoes, our perfectly white socks, the amazing high fashion dresses the women wore, the vehicles in their vintage cerulean blues and the cars and the lipstick all in bright technicolor. And I now in my possession have that technicolor story. To come from a coal mining town is to know that everybody must partake in order to survive in what is considered a harsher environment, yes, there were mine disasters. But I can remember the stories of all of the people coming together. On the party line, the whistle would blow. There was a mine disaster. Everybody just went to that home. There wasn't no hesitation, worried, oh, I can't go there, this one. You just went. When there was a wedding, you showed up. When there was a funeral, you showed up. Nobody went without. If somebody knew a family went without, everybody shared. If I could leave something behind it was a conversation i was having with my business partner and i was like what would i leave behind i would leave behind everybody should share you know during covid we all made sourdough bread why we wanted to feel a sense of return the sense that we could make bread now all those breads came in different shapes and different recipes and different everything but i'm sure that recipe came from somewhere tucked in the back of your recipe box from your grandmother, your grandfather, your aunt, your uncle, doesn't matter who, it's ancient. And and a community is ancient and the arts are ancient. Mirror walls, well, they're just what we've done since time began. We leave our mark. The marks might change, the tools might, I don't know, get a little bit, I can't even see better because I have brushes that I have used that if somebody saw the brushes that I used on a wall, they'd go, that brush, I, but it, you know, it's it's a certain kind of brush. It's nothing fancy, just holds the paint well and does its job well. And just like all of us, coming from, from my side, from a coal mining town, you learn to work. You get a job. Does it really matter if you dig coal or if you move coal, if you drive the truck? You paid the bills. You did the work. And in the balance of it, you had fun and you built community. We would play music, happy music. There would be parades and floats and celebrations and princess queens and at the at the Sparwood Michelle days, there was always a celebration that every one of us can get by. How? By working together. So here's the box of crayons. You can open a box of crayons, you know, the 24-pack, and if everybody took a color of, you know, take your color, take your crayon, Together, create something. You'd have a beautiful story, a beautiful picture. But if you don't give somebody a crayon, they can't take part. And if you see somebody standing, you could share your crayon. Crayons were, uh, like I would say, my family could afford the wax crayons, but we couldn't afford always the pencil crayons. But you'd get that one pack, you know, when you were in high school, that rite of passage to get the next quality pencil crayon. Well, you had to keep those pencil crayons that whole year. You had to make sure that you didn't use up you know, certain colors, which of course I did. And then I would be like so protective. That model of community that I'm talking about has led me well into my career where I've just learned from the greatest of the great, the women of Michelle, that to build community takes hard work. Somebody has to iron the linens and somebody has to wash the linens and somebody's gotta, you know, take the garbage out. For some reason, there's class that maybe because you're more educated, you don't get to take the laundry out. Well, that's not how it works. My grandmother would make a bed, and she was in every women's league you can think of that helped build hospitals and community. And she traveled, as did my aunt, and all of those women, the nurses, the all, all of them, they gave so much to communities. But they never were too proud to not iron their linens and to decorate those linens. And I think back and look at those linens and do people see them as that these women were leisurely decorating these linens? No, they always kept their hands busy. They always were teaching. I can remember a lady named Emily Rawlison as they crocheted around this tablecloth. And we were at my parents' cabin and we, were, we all built the cabin together. There wasn't just my dad it was everybody brought something everybody brought a board or flooring my girlfriend and i ripped out old flooring from a house that had been demolished in another area and helped my dad put this hardwood floor back in my girlfriend is now a contractor the skills that connect us all are what every little town every resource town has so i think about shamanus reinvented itself talking about its resource people's stories that's what i did in sparwood that's what I did in Vernon. Merit was based on country music. It's every story, every community is connected, and, and we have these stories. The sad story about Michelle Natal is that that town was relocated. So as I'm listening to my mother and my cousin and going into all these stories and these dresses and this lovely woman named Lillian, who's 92, who podcasted with me, which will be part of this series, it's very interesting to me that my mural's created a bridge for people to come and tell their stories and leave wedding dresses and and books and photos behind because they felt comfortable coming up to the wall these dresses are helping people feel comfortable that they can leave their stories in a trustful place like where do these treasured photos go and so here's us at my mom and we start at my mom's we start taking out these photos and as photos of my grandmother my baba who drove a taxi for people in Banff, and I see my grandmother in 1927, beautiful and in, in this fashionable way. Well, oh, I only remember her as my baba. But she was a whole other fantastic, brave warrior woman that was outrageous. And, you know, that that's the stories. And so when you listen to the story of Mich- Michelle Natal, you have to know this really terrible story, is that that town was relocated. Now this long-winded story that I'm getting to is, I want you to imagine this beautiful town of over 3,000 people, the mines, the people, the opera houses, this school built with this Italian stone, the cinema. There was a, a whole main street with meat markets, all these people, a beautiful bakery to this day made the best bread I've ever tasted in my life. From around the world, it was part of a forced relocation scheme that had The government come in, put X's and O's on whose house would stay, and completely knock down that town. Now, a lot of those people didn't get pennies on anything on the dollar for their houses. They had to move. They relocated to Sparwood or to Fernie. And my mom speaks of that culture that was lost. She talks about the times in Michelle where you could walk your babies in your carriage and you'd go store to store. And all of those people who had worked and lived together for so long, were part of this beautiful thing. Now imagine that has been removed. And in my hand right now are Kodachrome slides that tell that story. And although the culture may be removed, and it was hard, and you know, we would love to see a museum built and um, a way to pay tribute to those very people that were removed. Their stories were removed. And there's books, and I could do this podcast but when you see the visuals and you understand that the connections of the coal in the women of Michelle and the men of Michelle are far-reaching. So spend some time, do a little research, because this little coal mining town, Michelle, Natal, Middletown, was removed. It's right on the border of British Columbia and Alberta, a couple hours from Calgary. You'll go by it, there's still a coal mine there, there's still houses there, And my family and my roots are still there. There's an Elk Valley, the most beautiful valley you could imagine. The most beautiful hunting river, pristine valley that you could imagine. Is right there. Come back, listen to my stories of the women of Michelle as we tell you the stories of the pieces of her that have been lost. But in finding ourselves again, the daughters of Michelle are coming back and the pieces of her will connect us all through the coal. Thank you. It's the art and the history connecting all communities the water flows through indigenous blue